should be better at this, I think. You're good. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, I've listened to some of your stuff. You're good. You know what you're doing. Well, I just, you know, Josh always does it. I get nervous. This is the intro. It starts it all. Yeah. Yeah. Feels sort of godly almost doing it. Because what is there before? I mean, sometimes you just got to start cold and Joshless. Oh, God. Do you think when God created the universe, he's like, wish Josh was around? I think he created Josh pretty early, and then he just came back for this podcast and the okay. other work. Yeah. Well, I guess this is when when will it end? And uh, that's a nice nod. Yeah. And um, we're doing uh, another non-franchise one. I made a promise to everyone that Miyazaki would be a lot. Did you listen to any of the Miyazaki ones? Or just, I did not. Okay. I missed the Miyazaki. Are you a Miyazaki guy? I'm not really a Miyazaki guy yeah. now. So I, I think, thought I think that's why I missed the. I thought I was, and then I watched them all, and they're all terrible. And he's mm-hmm. a bad person. So I said, no more just guys stuff. And here we are doing another guy series. Well, that's my bad. I, I suggested <laughs> this one. That's all right. This will be fun. I think because we know from the outset. Um, that well, I, I want to hear your experience with Grisham because he seems like he's a changed man, and the '90s Grisham is just like the I think one of the worst kinds of people that was around <laughs> in the '90s. But anyway, I'm joined by actually I didn't I want to make sure preferred name Charlie. Yeah, Charlie Nadler. Yeah. Perfect, and you're a local celebrity and funny guy and uh, man around town. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say. Uh, I wouldn't say celebrity, but I'm a man around my yard and uh, nice. a few venues around town. Nice. It's a uh, nice yard. Thank you. Yeah, we, we own a portion of it. It looks like you're, we're looking at the back right now. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We really have a, a tiny sliver of what you see, but it's nice. Really? Yeah. So, so that wait, what I see is... Know. Oh, wait. So I must have missed, gone backwards. You're saying what I can see is all... I thought you owned tracks and all your owning are slivers. Oh, yeah. I mean, I own to the tree. Everything you see past <laughs> the tree, really nice is, tree is trespassing my neighbor, Wayne. <laughs> do you do it? Of course. Yeah, yeah. no, we're friends. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. That's good. I like your um, hammock without a hammock. Yep, hammock. When's the hammock come out? Is that a Memorial Day treat? It came out and then it went back in. <laughs> Uh, Wait, where does it due go? to fluctuations we keep it in a bag in the mudroom <laughs> and uh, it it's it's made out of stuff you can't it's not really weatherproof so ah, got it yeah got it's it. a it's a kind of hammock that you bring with yourself and then you bring back in oh, okay is it like yeah. one of those parachute ones it's like a yeah i mean it's it's uh it's, i mean it's made out of like cotton or something but okay. but it's yeah. not like made out it's of, not one of those it's not like rope. nylon or yeah it's not it's not really rope it's braided but okay. uh yeah, it's, I guess I'll just have to see it. You know, like the Matrix. Yeah, remember that? Yeah, I do remember the Matrix. Remember the whole thing where there's like, he's like, you can, I could tell you, yeah. but you just got to see it. That's exactly the brand of hammock that we have. Yeah. yeah. What are you growing over there? What's on that trellis? Is that a trellis? Uh, that or is, is that Wayne's trellis? Well, so that's our trellis, but we got it with the land. Uh, those are just vines. We have a lot of native plants. Okay. My my wife has planted over 120 species of native plants. What? On Where? property. In, on this sliver? On our little sliver. That's incredible. Yeah. So you're looking at a native vine. Nice. Um, there's a couple. Grasses. A couple on there. A bunch of grasses, some sedges. That's awesome. We Shrubs. just started planting um, raspberries. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And our garlic, which we planted last year, because oh, we're nice. bad at planting. Everything yeah. dies. And well, and the farms are all better than what we plant. So it's right. like you just grow something that wouldn't even sell at the farmer's market. No. Or a deer eats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we started with garlic and that nice. worked. So yeah. So we got some other things, but. Nice. Not sure any of it's native. I like that idea. Yeah, it's good. It's good for the insects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got to think about those yeah. little boys and girls down there yeah. in the mud. A ton of them. So many. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you chose to do an entire, most, most of my friends, and now I can call you a friend. Sure. I'm in yeah, we're friends. Yeah. We're chilling. I got yeah. your phone number. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm like, you want to be on the podcast? Like, yeah, that'd be fun. Let's do like one or two episodes. And I offered anything you wanted. Yeah. And you come back with... A ten part, <laughs> just giant, like a series on movies that mostly came out in four years, from one of the yeah. hottest 
like it's so funny to think how hot this guy was in 1993 unreal yeah uh and if it feels pretty seminal for me because i feel like for some reason i read a lot of his books at that time i was a young kid i mean i was maybe i mean in 93 when i I probably read the firm and the client and stuff after these movies came out because i probably read them when i was about 10 or 11 or something like that but um can i ask when you were born i I was born in 1984 oh fuck yeah this is amazing. Yeah. This is, a, I've never, I have since like 2008, I haven't talked to anyone older than me other oh. than my relatives. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. I was born in 85. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. No, I got you by many months. So. Many months. This yeah. is nice. Yeah. No, um, happy to be the elder statesman here. This is great. So, um, yeah. So reading, I was a Crichton guy, which is really funny because mm-hmm. they had that dueling. Oh yeah. They were 90- like Biggie and Tupac of nineties white writers. Yeah. Yeah. And they were try- always trying to best each other. Always. Yeah. Well, and Crichton had some real bangers, you know, all, yeah. the, all the Jurassic Parks and Re- stuff. Did you ever read um, Relic? I don't know if I read Relic. I feel like that falls in the same cat, even though it's more of a Crichton kind of guy. But they, yeah. they wrote, um, it was like two two authors that wrote like Crichton Light. Uh, okay. So I like them better than Crichton. Yeah. They're all very plot heavy, you know. The characters are a little thin in all of these, mm-hmm. all these kind of things. But yeah. it's more about the worlds and the, you know, Memphis. the spectacle and the actions. Yeah, Memphis. <laughs> Maybe you want to go to Memphis, watching that movie when you were ten, or today, or whenever you both, watched. both. You Haven't been still, <laughs> still on my list. <laughs> but I, it's right on the there. Mississippi. You yeah. know, that's cool. Oh, the old Mississippi. Yeah, but yeah, no. My parents had me. Uh, they let me do whatever in terms of um, movies and reading. And I mean, they were just happy I wanted to read. So I think I went from like Hardy Boys to like The Client and The Firm without much in between. Wow. So we, um, we, I know you asked um, when we were off mic about like what you could say and things like that. And I was like, yeah, we're pretty loose. You can really say whatever you want, but we do have pretty strict like no bragging sort of. Okay. Yeah. yeah sorry. So about... I should have told you that up front. But yeah. Like, the no. whole Hardy Boys to, to, Grisham. Yeah, that's a pretty big leap, you know. That's uh, a developmental um, excellence in my mind. Yeah, yeah. And you're older than me now, so it's like I'm feeling a little bit. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to push out my own brag. Yeah. No, we can equal it up. Yeah. And you got like a twenty dollar bill framed on your wall. Yeah, that is my it's like a brag. My well, so <laughs> framed brag. You got twenty bucks. That's a great twenty. So what happened was I had this uh, girlfriend in college, mm-hmm. who I broke up with, and after college, and my friend said you're going to marry her. And I was like, no, I'm never going to get back together with her. He said, I bet you 20 bucks that you will marry her. What? So at my wedding to my wife, not this person, oh. he gave me the $20 bill because I won the bet. That's really nice. Yeah. It says best $20 I ever spent. That's good. Yeah. I, I think that's funny that maybe you were secretly in love with this person, but you held out for the 20. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't put it past me, Yeah, you know, 20 bucks is, is especially in this economy. Um, Wait, is it that, is it the other way around? 20 bucks is barely anything in this economy, but I get what you're saying. But you know what I mean? Any money is good. Now. <laughs> yeah, I, I need the extra anything. 20 for everything. Right. You know? Love or a couple of sandwiches. Yeah. And this is a good indicator for how, you know, when we do these episodes, if the 20 ever gone, that's like a cry for help. Okay. You know? That's good to know. Yeah, like the mortgage, nice. short on the mortgage that month or whatever. Yeah, so, that's good to know. Yeah, Little I secret. am relying on this podcast propelling me into real Man About Town fame. So. Hell yes. Uh, I think we are still in the sing- t- tens of... I have no idea who, who looks... It's so weird. Yeah, like, no, I know. No one ever... I literally gave out my personal phone number on one episode because I was depressed and... <laughs> Like I just had no idea what I was doing, and no one called. Yeah, well, no one likes to call, anyways. You know, <laughs> that's true. I said you could text, like, accept texts. Yeah, but don't leave me a voicemail. Yeah, yeah. Well, you had a lot of rules there. I can see why most people were scared. Okay, maybe I'll try it again. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So and then the movies I watched them as a, as a pretty small kid, and I just remembered them being, uh very riveting i mean especially the the client which we'll get to but that has a kid that was probably around my age when i saw the movie mm. so i was that's helpful like pretty you know pretty tuned in to that experience for that kid uh vicariously well, so were they the victim of some awful crime i haven't 
read or seen. If I recall, one. I mean, we'll rewatch, but if I recall, he is a witness to uh, an awful crime. So, like, witness. Yeah, exactly. I've seen witness. Yeah, but Grisham's witness. Wit- witness, but if Grisham did it. Wait, Grisham did it? No, like, spoiler? created it. Oh, okay. Got yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Grisham basically, I feel like I've only seen the firm. Yeah. And in the week that I, I'll, we'll talk about this more on that yeah. episode, but I did read um, A Time to Kill. Okay. Nice. And I feel like Grisham has just like transplanted himself into all these main characters from this era, or maybe from all eras, because I read an interview where he's like, was so pro death penalty in the 90s. Yeah. And then he's changed his mind on that. And he's actually seems like he was a really cool dude now. I mean, haven't we all changed since yeah. then? I mean, you I mean, you you know, you oh do God. you do this podcast about all these movies and we talked about how it's hard to do comedies cuz comedy has just evolved so much. It's so hard to watch some of those 80s and 90s. It's hard to watch fucking comedies from 2015. I know. I know. It's really evolving and in the moment in time and socially so messed up so many times and things that were imprinted on people because of it. It's just nuts. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I grew up with actually a Republican dad and this movie is like to me has such dad energy. Oh, so they're all dads. There's a cast <laughs> yeah, of dads. It yeah. Is, it's just yeah. a bunch of dads. And then Which his, is, yeah. his wife. And just having like the main character being this hot idealistic, but idealistic for like a libertarian Republican, oh, just like a total loser scumbag, but oh, like yeah. so full of heart and life and he gets the girl and everything goes his way. Cause he's so smart and cool and yeah. he believes in himself and not the government. And let's, gangsters do whatever it's just like it's such a fucking pipe dream for 90s dads yeah it's capitalism dad porn yeah basically it's it's insane so yeah it's cool to see he's on like the innocent project now i think okay that's good yeah and he's yeah. anti-death penalty that's and good. i think he's using his voice for good good but at least based on seeing this movie again and watching this sorry seeing this movie again i guess why i watched every page yeah of the book Here's the thing about Grisham, which I think is fascinating in that, you know, say what you want about the, you know, social issues and how times have changed, but just the moment in time when he wrote these things, like he writes like movies, like these page turners, like that's what a good script is, is yeah. you want to know like every single page is something. So it's, it's, it makes sense why all these things got adapted. Cause he basically was just writing like 500 page movies when he would make these. It's things. so long. It's incredible. Crazy. And this, this movie is like, I don't know what. So this is Sidney yep. Pollock. Yep. Who's famous guy. Yeah. He's the Tootsie guy. I think he's so. The, yeah. They shoot horses over it, there. He's he's directed tons of stuff. I mean, when you look at the cast, like, that's the thing that's weird about this is it's like you look at the cast and Sidney Pollock and you're like, oh, so this is this is like a a film, you know, but it's really, right, right. it's really just like, oh, this is a a supermarket paperback adaptation with and the, we all just wanted with just like the A-team. Yeah, the greatest cast of all time, basically. Yeah. Bald Ed. Ah, oh, so good. Beautiful Tom. Also, Holly Hunter got an Oscar nomination for that. Really? Yeah. Incredible. And the score got a nomination. <laughs> which is nonstop. Which and- is hilarious. And also, when I was watching it, my wife was like, this score is good. And I was like, it is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you see it. Holly There's Hunter's good. fantastic. Yeah, she's off the wall. She and Gary. Oh, <laughs> the best. The one problem is this: you just want more Gary. You know, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, it's like basically just a lifelong issue. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, it's probably who maybe kind of who he is. I don't know how how long he can last on set without something going sideways. So maybe people. What just, do you mean? I don't know. He just seems like a pretty. Uh, volatile person you know having that guy on set for more than 15 16 minutes seems like a liability yeah you think 17 is too much i think so i think they just come in they do one two takes and then they just kill the character even if that's not in the script because they just can't he's two from what's it called right yeah yeah i want two of those hot dogs yeah yeah that's he's just i don't know i should look him i feel like everyone Every male I should look up to see if he seems like he might be a bad person in some ways because he is so charming and intense, intense personality. And they all sort of seem to have that. The Me Too guys are all sort of that vibe. But hey, maybe Gary's okay. Yeah, he might be okay from a Me Too perspective. We'll have to look that up. But definitely from just like a 
very big personality and sort of prone to probably anger, I would say. You think so? You Would you want... Um, wow, look at the first image that comes up for Gary. Terrifying. He's a terrifying <laughs> guy. You can't have that guy on he's set like, for more than a few minutes. His eyes are so close together and like one of them is... Ha- that's... Yeah. Whoa, there's number two. Oh, this that's great. No, he's party. got so much charisma. I mean, Do you think nuts. he's just like breathes cocaine? I think he might be. It's like your body's 90% water. I think his body's probably 85% cocaine and that's 5% good. baking soda or whatever they cut it with. Oh, yep. Yep. We got a New York Times article from August 20th, 2022. Gary Busey faces sex charges after appearance at film convention. Is it the guy that gets everybody? Um, I don't know because I, I don't subscribe to the New York Times. Oh, yeah, New York Times. Oh. There's a New Yorker guy who he's the one that does all the big pieces. There's a CNN article. Might start a video. No. Um, that he said that he was inappropriate at a Monster Mania event and that he grabbed someone's butt. Well, but good he for said him he for being honest about it, you know, and not... He denied them. Never mind. Not good for him for... <laughs> no, he said he was... None of that happened. Okay. All right. You know, well. I did not do anything inappropriate. So, yeah, Gary was... It's so... It's like... It's also funny. My dad was like... In, did your ever dad say the term Mickey Finn? No. Okay. My dad said Mickey Finn. What's I, a Mickey Finn? That's like the drug that she uses to drug Gene. We haven't even oh. talked about Gene. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is... It's like, again, shouldn't have not have been surprising that one of the biggest uh, like plot points in movies from the 60s to the 2000s was a rape drug. Of course. They just used it for everything. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. It's like, how, what's, what can I pull from my real life that would help this character out? Oh, yeah, a drug you can slip into someone's drink and they go unconscious. It's so, it's so scary. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely, I don't know about Gene or any of these people. Tom's obviously... I don't know. Just like, yeah, there's so many big names in this movie and they're all like weird and what I love, out of control. What I love about this movie and Tom is it's basically like a Scientology metaphor. Like, you know, he gets sort of indoctrinated into this group that mm. lulls him in and then he's stuck and the benefits are supposed to outweigh all of like the dark stuff and it's like fascinating to see that in that, you know, yeah. now. Wow. Yeah. That's what he was. That's what he was against, and now he's all. It's a great setup. It's a. It's a really great premise. Yeah. So I don't even know if we mentioned that we're doing the firm, but we're doing this the, firm. Is the firm. This is the firm. This yeah. is the first Grisham Grisham verse film, and it's got so much going for it. I think it's for me. I mean, I don't want to. I know this is you brought. So why did you actually? I'm going to ask. Why did you choose? So you read this guy as a kid, but this is yeah. like your comfort. So yeah. So I mean, first I took a look at. You know, you've done a very prolific podcast. You've done a lot of stuff. So you know, I wanted to try to find something that was a little bit different, and also just something that hadn't already been done. Of course, um, but you could have done one we done. That's fine. No, I know. No, I know. But I, I want. I want, and I also, you know, I, I'm a creative person. I'm always trying to do something a little more out out of the box. So it's um, really about bragging. So I'm not, I'm not saying it was a good creative idea, but I just thought it was interesting that, and it was a bit of a stretch. And I, when I reached out about it, I, I admitted that that's a bit of a stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think another reason it was a little more top of mind recently, because early pandemic, we did a bunch of binges of things and we did a, we did a relook at the Grisham movies, oh. like, like, you know, April, 2020, May, 2020, like early on did like a real binge of a lot of these. And, and just found it to be like pretty good pandemic entertainment. So, yeah. um, so when I was thinking about sort of some of my, you know, the other thing too is it's it's easy to like the first of something and then have problems with the second or third. And so I want to try to find something where like on the on balance, mm. I thought it was a you know fun franchise to continue. Yeah, I mean that's what we've sort of found out all throughout this podcast is that yeah. this whole idea that sequels aren't very good is completely wrong. And there's For so sure. many awesome seconds and thirds and fourths especially when they're given time and resources to do it right yeah you know they're not trying to rush it out which i think is a little bit easier now maybe with the streamers and stuff it's not as much of pressure always to get stuff out on a studio timeline Mm -hmm. maybe so do you want to treat this franchise as though the main white male lawyer character is just this like stand in for the same 
Grisham person or do we want to treat this as more like I did with Miyazaki where it's just like we're looking as a filmmaker and obviously this isn't franchising. Yeah. I yeah, I think the I think the latter probably is is easiest, but I think what's what'll be interesting to see as we go through this is some of these through lines that are pretty constant and that and make it more of a franchise. Like I would say that for the most part, Grisham's worldview is going to be very consistent in yeah. a franchise way throughout all of these. I mean, he is such a pessimistic fear monger type of guy. I yeah. mean, like this, the and it's believable. And you know, the the firm, that whole world, that's incredibly believable that this could happen. And he also brings so much legal experience that that valid you know that helps to validate that mm-hmm. it could be based on something maybe not at that scale but you know something he encountered yeah he it was, is such a cool premise where it's just like it's great these these, these slick soft spoken southerners yeah <laughs> offer you the greatest job offer in history i love that so that's one thing that is so funny when on this rewatch it's like the biggest thing Tom Cruise is after is just like making money. And it's not even like a hidden component no. of his action hero. Like this is basically a, a thriller movie, mm-hmm. a hero movie. And his big goal is to make money. Yeah. And I guess he gives it away, but it's just like he wants the job. He doesn't want to lose his job. Like keeping his job and I guess helping his brother are his main motivators. Exactly. It's a very 80s movie that comes out in the 90s. You know, yeah. It's a very Reagan type of world yeah yeah that whole scene where gene hackman and him go to lunch and they just like talk about why they became lawyers it was so fucking funny so good yeah Love he, that scene. he's just like oh fuck i sort of forget because he's like oh i see that's right my the owner of this restaurant or whatever i worked for uh didn't know how to pay taxes because he yeah. was an idiot yeah he was an idiot immigrant so he lost his business and then I lost my job. And then the moral of that story is that a, it wasn't really that I lost my job. It was that seeing the power of the government and how they can do anything to you. It's like such a fucking libertarian for sure. And hero. It's so funny. One also just, you know, you thought that at one point in that scene, you think that he's going to say the moral is I want to become a lawyer so I could help someone yeah. like that learn about and, tax law. And Gene actually brings it up. He's like, oh, so you're an idealist. It's like, no, I'm not. No, yeah, I, just, no. I just don't want to be in a situation where I have no control over my financial victories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's, that's like a great moment where you really learn. And I think it's earnest. I don't think it's like a... Sure. I think that's really what he believes. That. Yeah, it's a great it's great theme work there with the story. It's like setting the theme perfectly for what's to come. Yeah. And then Gene tells his story. I forget what his was, but it was also equally like, yeah. just give me the money, baby. Equally just pay me. Yeah. yeah. He's a great character. Yeah. They're all, uh, they're all great. It's like, it's one of those movies where I hate the characters who are in it, but the actors are doing such a great job that it is. For sure. It's like, yeah, I don't like what this movie represents and what it's doing. And I, most of the character interactions, but on like the acting level, it's just like, yeah, I can sit and watch all these people just do their, their shit from yeah. Gary to Ed to Gene to, I mean, being sexist right now. Cause I don't remember or Holly. Yeah. What's his wife's. She's sort of like a milk toast straight guy. Yeah. She doesn't offer too much. I think. I don't no. know who she is. Gene Triplehorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She, she is, I think her, you know, her, her character is pretty, standard for these kind of movies and that kind of and I feel like 90s sort of pop pop culture like obviously that stuff's getting a lot better now but um her yeah her their relation I think my biggest problem with the movie if I had to you know be critical is their You don't ma- have to. Well so their marriage and then the affair, <laughs> the affair on the beach with a prostitute is ridiculous. It's so fucking, it's, again, it's like dad. Like I was, it's one of those things where it's just like the idea that a person about to get raped, the first thing that I want to do afterwards is have sex with the person that rescued them is crazy. Of, of course, that and the fact that because he rescued her, he feels right. this weird instantaneous ah. connection. But 
the nail in the coffin is when she talks about being poor and wanting to feel rich and suddenly it's like a prostitute meet cute and then they hook up and he throws his life away in that moment and it's yeah that's such a great point the work i forget what she's like He's like, how much would it cost? What was it? He's like, how much would it take for you to feel rich? And then she's like, I just I need to feel loved or whatever. She, I forget. Some, some, honestly, I think it's just she triggers that thing in the back of his mind about, I just don't want to be a poor guy anymore. I just want to make it. I just want to feel rich. And like for some reason, she becomes his like soulmate for seven minutes or whatever because yeah. of that. That scene where um we haven't even talked about him either, the asthma guy or not asthma the <laughs> diabetes guy <laughs> yeah. uh, or whatever asthma Con- diabetes yeah, anything really um what's his name the thing guy yeah uh, wilford yeah wilford brimley he's like yeah i got these pictures and yeah you know they weren't just fucking or you were doing all sorts of oh my god he talks about oral, he says oral and whatnot which yeah. is one of the best line reads of all time <laughs> you know just oral and what this wasn't just Having sex, this was all sorts of things like oral and whatnot. <laughs> What's the whatnot? Uh, I mean, that's that's the brilliant. It's a, uh, I guess that's. Or- a, I mean, that's the best. The best stuff sometimes what you don't see in terms of writing. So you know, who yeah. knows? Maybe he like did a sort of tarot card reading for her. <laughs> you know, maybe. <laughs> oh, I was just thinking like rimming, but then I guess that's sort of oral i mean maybe it got really emotionally deep you know maybe like they just like hold hands and like (laughs) snuggle or something that's way worse than a rim job or like hand gliding yeah yeah something like a real like a bucket list thing you know (laughs) i want this movie to like cut from that to just like like a 20 minute montage of all the intimate shit they do together whatnot they start he like helps her start like a small business at farmers markets and oh my god you know they make little seaweed bracelets that she dehydrates and and it like it creates opportunity for her whole family and he like changes the town friday night But yeah, that is such a flawed piece of storytelling there. I feel like... And what it does. I know. Because then the response is insane where he's like, he does the right thing and admits it to her. And that whole scene is like completely out of control. And then the whole thing where it ends with her, like she keeps talking about like the way she goes to wherever with Gene. Yeah. As like payback. So like her payback is to like fuck this guy's boss, but not fuck him to help. It's like, yeah, no, it's a great cover. It's a great alibi that she's able to use that. Um, And he is such a, I mean, he's so creepy the whole time. He's hitting on her from the beginning. Yeah. The first time he meets her. So she exploits that. But uh, yeah, that part's weird. I read that. I don't remember this from the book, but apparently in the book, he doesn't tell her about the affair. And they still have the photos and they still use that as leverage against him, but he never comes clean in the book. Interesting. I think that's a, I think if it had been done better, having him come clean is a more interesting story. For sure. Because it's like. It helps to redeem him a bit. I guess. But, but it still isn't motivated. There's no, there's no motive. It's so strange because they paint him as a sort of like family guy who wants to like give his wife a good life and. Oral and whatnot with a prostitute on the beach is not part of that plan. Yeah. It's just, even his apology, or it's not even an apology, just tells her what happens, and it's just like, it's not redemptive. No. He doesn't, it's it's just so, like, he lies to her, because she's like, yeah. why are you telling me this now? And he's like, I know, I just couldn't deal, I couldn't have it hanging over me anymore. It's like, no, it's not, you got caught. You loser. That happens in real life, and like what the, the way that movie ends in real life is, they get divorced, but they both have to be in witness protection in two separate places. That's divorced, great. so not only do you lose your marriage and your life, but then you have to start over as a new person by yourself. Fuck. That probably happens all the time with these kind of things. Yeah, or maybe he should have just like told her, like why he fucked this person. And I think maybe that's the big thing is that they also try to sell it as like. You know, they Gene's like, you know, they just do that to all the new guys. They just throw ladies at them and they all fuck them. It's like, that's no excuse. I don't know why that would make it any different. None. He doesn't have a good, he doesn't have a good reason. Right. And I think that's why this movie sort of failed because it, it's trying in some ways to show like he doesn't want to be poor anymore and he wants this like Mercedes prostitute lifestyle. But the character that we meet at the beginning and the character at the end 
isn't that guy. Yeah. So we're supposed to just believe that he briefly toys with the idea of being a douchebag. Yeah, he doesn't grow. He just is very smart and finds a creative loophole to solve everything. You know, solve the mob, solve the firm, solve his marriage. Like, it's just he finds this way to, like, thread a needle instead of becoming someone that is, you know, worthy of redemption or forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when, when you go to Memphis one day, because it's lodged yeah. inside you now. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like that house, it's interesting to me to go to a place and be given a house yeah like what a personal thing and they even said like we furnished it for you temporarily just so you have something to sit on and they keep that shit that is like one of the ugliest couches i've ever seen in my whole life well don't forget this was the 90s that was probably a great couch then everything changes so much you know i mean interior decor and and other things are and one of the funniest things my wife does when we drive around, she'll just say, like, a house is very 90s, you know, like, design-wise, and, and you can't unsee it after you see that. So, like, really, you know, drive by these houses with those huge kind of ornate windows, like, on the second floor that are just sort of randomly placed, and it's like, there's so many houses like that. Oh, my God. My now, maybe because I didn't see it, I still can unsee it. But no, do you think I've seen it? You're never going to be able to unsee a 90s Shit. house now. Yeah. I noticed all the 90s ties. Oh, yeah. The fucking mm-hmm. thin, tight. Yep. Do you wear ties? Uh, sometimes, but not a lot. Okay. Weddings, funerals, you know. Yeah. Yeah, those are the highlights. I wear them to work sometimes. Nice. Yeah. I'd like more excuses to wear them, you know. You can just wear them to friends' houses. Yeah, I could, but it would invite conversation about the time. That's true. Yeah, yeah. actually, it's, but if you do it enough, this happened when I was first started bartending at Bright Ideas. I wore a tie every Friday. Yeah. Um, and people at first were like, wow, you look so fancy. You look so good. And then by like the fourth week of that, I had no comments. So I think if you just sort you of just stick blinded. with it, yeah, then you could wear like anytime you go see, mm, I mean, you could start off with like your parents. I don't know. No. I love my parents, but I don't know if I'm going to go through that. the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> They're not wearing ties when they hang out with me, you know. Well, you could start it. I could. Yeah, my yeah. my dad lives far away. But, you know, maybe I could, if I ever FaceTime him, I could put on a tie. That would be funny. Yeah, yeah, he'd like that. Yeah. He's like, he loves, he loves, so I, I you watch this movie when it, near, when it came out? Yeah, pretty near when it came out. Yeah, my dad loved this movie. And Two hundred forty million in the box office is huge. It's hit. so fucking crazy. crazy. I like. I get Jurassic Park, like the whole yeah. Crichton Grisham thing. It's like Crichton was doing shit that was like action packed, dinosaurs, yeah. uh, disease. What else? He was. He's just like the shit's just like a lawyer figures out how to to do something it checks all the boxes though because it in a way it is kind of jurassic park you know because he's going into this world that's terrifying and you can picture even though it probably doesn't exist in the same way that you know the mosquito (laughs) right you know whatever for the for the dinosaurs i don't know i don't know that most people can picture graduating from harvard law and being hired by a law firm to then take the bar and realize that they're working with the mob yeah but i think it's one of those like cautionary tales and also people love that people who aren't you know going to harvard like to think of those types of people being shady and Mm -hmm. you know it's that whole like political thing too of like blue collar versus white collar you know stereotypes and prejudices and fears and um this was a big era of lawyer jokes Yes. I think those have really dropped off yes. since the 90s. But this was like prime lawyers suck energy. Definitely. Yeah. For sure. I'm trying like, well, because you had all the deregulation of the 80s and they, you know, that's all people just trying to get rid of things that they, you know, aren't supposed to be doing. That's what lawyers do is help to, you know, get in the middle of that. Tom. <laughs> But not our dumb. What's his name? I don't even know. Mike? Merck? Oh, McDeer? Right. Mitch McDeer. Mitch McDeer, which is a hilarious name. What a fucking name. I just picture Grisham just like needing a name (laughs) and like looking out his window and seeing a deer. 
Maybe he had McDonald's for lunch or something. Mc He's like deer. McDeer. McDeer. He's a Southern guy, right, John? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. These are all Southern stories, or oh, at least yeah. the they beginning. They almost all are, I think. They're yeah. all kind of, yeah. Do you see, I, I was reading about it, and there's like the ending of the book is apparently really different than the movie. Did you read the book? Or did you have memory of the I book? I didn't have a memory of it, but I read a little bit about it. Yeah, they end up in the Caymans instead of going back to Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they end up doing it, right? He does it. He breaks yeah. his oath. Yeah, he does break his oath. Which is, oh, that's so fucked up. <laughs> this lawyer App- passes the bar. Apparently. <laughs> and he App- gives information to the government. I mean, I read I read that like it's only for crimes that have already been committed. But if you have knowledge of crimes that are going to be committed, you're not breaking the oath, apparently. Okay. Which so is also important. like, okay, you know, like yeah. that, that's a that that's a rule. Like, it's, oh, that murder already happened, so you're good, you know? Yeah. It's so funny how, like, the FBI is... I mean, it's so tricky because, like, the government stuff from the 90s was all just, like, I don't know. It wasn't really... Like, yeah, the FBI does suck. Yeah. But they use the FBI as just, like, basically an extension of the government. Yeah. Which is shown as to be the most powerful evil in this movie, it seems yeah. like. Yeah, totally. And then the way that, like, our boy Tom can just be, like... Bald Ed, you're an idiot. <laughs> I'll treat you. Oh like- <laughs> man, he ruins that guy. And then to watch him have to like go through the machinations of like I don't want to get in trouble, so I'm gonna try to force all of his wishes through right. too, which is it's great. such like a fucking fantasy. It's total yeah, bad fantasy where it, it's like like the mobs at my fucking knees and or whatever they're yeah. on, uh, the mobs they're on their knees yeah. and the government i can boss them around and i shut down this shady law firm and so hopefully yeah. one day i love that and he's like it's like what are we supposed to fucking do what is happening are you, you guys about this fucking male shit he's like hey man i got one you get the rest the guy the guy wins harvard law school gets the best bid Beats his firm, beats the FBI, beats the mob, yeah. beats his wife. Not, you know, not that kind of beat. Like, beats his no, marriage. No, but you're right. He fucking wins his marriage. The whole point is that they don't love each other. He just wins it back. But he loses to the hooker. And you said before <gasps> this episode who my MVP would be. You know, you have you mm-hmm. you talk about the MVP of the movie. Yeah, yeah. And to me, the MVP of the movie is the prostitute. You, I like Because that. how... She just put, it's a hole in one for her. You know what I mean? Like there's, how does, how does she beat this guy who just like destroys the whole, all of capitalism and crime and. Damn. Well, it's because of her eyes. Guess so. And her her wrist, wait, her ankle, sprains her ankle. Right, sprains her ankle. God. It's so, it's so fucked. Like, well, it's okay that he had an affair, which is honestly, honestly, it's another 90s. Obviously, be honest with your partners and shit, but it's of like uh, the idea that being unfaithful to your partner is like the biggest sin this guy can create. And then the, oh, he gets, it's like, but she was hurt and I'm, I'm being a hero. It's just like so messy. When you see him shrug off another attractive woman right before that. So it's like, they, yeah, try, yeah, to, yeah. they try to say like, yeah, no, he's got, you know, he's got, he's got scruples. scruples and who he fucks. <laughs> yeah. It's not just taking the, like, that is actually a really good point. Where the scene immediately before this is that when we're like, oh, we're going to have such good fucking time. He's like, ma'am, I don't want to have good fucking time with you because yeah. I'm a good boy. I'm a good guy. But <laughs> let me just ro- roll down the beach real quick and that changes. Well, I think that's a good pick because you're right. She really is like the outlier in she gets away with the win. She punches above her weight more than any mm, character. That's true. You know, everyone else gets schooled. She's she gets paid because she was already it was a setup. Yeah. But do you think Tom paid her too, or do you think that was like part of the chivalry? Is that it's just about because her line is really weird. It's like he's like, "How much do you want me to pay you?" And she's like, "Just being with you is payment enough." I think. Right. Yeah. I think he pays her with it and whatnot. Damn, that's disgusting. We don't know what the whatnot disgusting. is. Could have given her bonds. It could have been like you know, mm-hmm. treasury backed bonds that mature yeah. over 20, 30 years. You know, set her up for retirement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could have gotten her a spot on the next SpaceX launch. Yeah, maybe she's a paralegal at the firm or something. You got her a real job. That'd be nice. Yeah. Wow, you're right. That's <laughs> disgusting. 
<laughs> so beautiful. Tom can do no wrong. But I don't know who to choose for an MVP. There's so many fucking the also weird night like having an albino as like the villain is such yeah. like a Dan Pratt. Remember, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that fucking Da Vinci Code. Oh yeah, also has a, a, a albino. Yeah, a villain. Those villains are great. <laughs> They're so nineties. Yeah, it's like you could have had any distinguishing feature as a writer, but it's like a blue-eyed, blonde-haired, white-haired weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Backwood casting was so yeah. so non-diverse that they would just get people that look like me to play henchmen. It's like, what? <laughs> right. That's such, oh my God. And the casting is wild. Like the guy that he meets when he goes to D.C., and the guy on the bench. Oh my! That God. guy could not act in 2020. No. Oh no! That guy's so wonderful. Just like this beautiful, like he just lives on this bench. He's so great. I feel like so funny. 70s, 80s, and a little bit into the 90s. Like he could still cast. He's just like disgusting, weird guys. Totally to take on to take on these roles. Yeah, but I don't know. Gary's so good, but he's so short. You're right. He only has his like little. 15 minutes. I picked an MVP that's on screen for two minutes, but... That's a good point. Um, Gene's really great. I think his... he's, But he's also, like, I don't... I think for me, when I choose an MVP, it, it either... This is a weird movie because I liked some of it, but overall I find it to be, like, politically distasteful and sort of boring while being exciting at the same time. Like, I think this movie is about... Like when I was watching it, I was feeling like, oh, claustrophobia, paranoia, just like anxiety. And I don't really, Tom is so like suave and beautiful that it never feels like he's under pressure. Yeah. And I feel like Sydney should have fucking pulled out this, at least for a half hour of the movie, this yeah. sense of like. You never have that moment is- where you. Th- you see him about to be killed really. And there's no way out of it. You know, that like sort of classic structure of like, there is, I mean, he gets saved by his wife basically in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, which is pretty passive in terms of like, did, did you like that line where she's like, he's like, did I lose you? And she says, what are you talking about? All you did was lie to me and fuck some woman and put me in danger. How could I, I've loved you my whole life. Even before I was born, the promise of you is, it's like, this is who wrote this? My dad? This is crazy. Awful. And like, (laughs) what kind of parenting is that? Where it's like the promise of of him who just all he cares about is the paycheck from the mob. And, you know. When she says, he's like, who would have known I could have made six figures? Which also he's not making six figures. He's making five figures, but it feels like six because he's living in a dump like Memphis. (laughs) And she's like, I knew you were going to make six figures. And his fucking eyes light up like, yes, I love you so much right now because oh, you're so damn because, you know, I'm going to make money. But then it's like it's so it goes back and forth where later in the movie, she's like, let's pretend we're poor again. Wasn't it so beautiful when we're poor? This whole like fucking. So like it, it is really interesting. I, I love that part of it. I feel like. This will be an interesting debate for for this franchise because sometimes I feel like Grisham is more complex in this than maybe people give him credit for. I think he has an extremely pessimistic worldview and he likes to articulate it through these kind of things. So, like, even though he's telling this story with these, like, shitheel people, like Tom Cruise's character and the wife that, like, has no standards, sometimes it feels, it generally feels like social commentary, how we, he perceives our system and our world to be. And he likes to write those characters that are just shitty and not worthy. Because mm. I think... You know, when we watch some of these others, especially Christmas with the Cranks, which is probably my favorite Grisham. Is that, did he direct that one? No, just wrote he it. Just wrote okay. it. And I mean, I, we'll, we won't get into it, but it's, it's, it inc- it's incredible what he's, what the subtext of that whole world is. I'm excited. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. But this idea of money, 
like you might know more given that you've read all of his books, all of his, like a hundred, he's written so many books. It's crazy. Yeah. He's calling me. Yeah, that's fine. Tattoo appointment reminder. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like it, on the one hand, it's like he's never cares that the people he knows that he's, he's helping bad people. Yeah. It's really interesting. This guy's like, I'm a lawyer now and I've been hired by this law firm but we know from the scene with Gene Hackman that he's like, he doesn't care about actually helping people. He just no. wants to make money. Exactly. And be himself. Yeah. So this, yeah, the whole thing where he's just like. And that's what most people are. You know, if you look at our world right now, it's the, the reason why we have all these problems is because there's a lot of money on the table, lobbying and all the things that prevent real change because there's just too many people making money who have a lot of sway mm-hmm. to change the way that it's that it's happening it's just weird to make the hero be an actor in this and not like he doesn't fight back against this system and i guess that's why this is a 90s movie he does take the firm down though right but but he doesn't take the mob down he doesn't take the mob down he gives them an out so that they're not implicated and to save him from having to go into witness protection right and that's more important and that's sort of what i feel like we learned we learn over and over again that real change requires sacrifice. Yeah. And this is a story about a guy that refuses to sacrifice anything. Totally. And and that he can get away with figuring out how to do that. Yeah. And that he's not making change. He's just taking care of himself. And this is like such a Gen X, like yeah. 90s mentality of the hero just being an every man who makes sure that he's okay. Yeah. Before anything else. Yeah. Or, doesn't even give a shit about anything else. Yeah. Which unfortunately is still a way a lot of people, a lot of people act, you know, when mm-hmm. you really, I think about this all the time now and I think about conflict with other people that I might have in just all senses, you know, professional or personal. It's just, they have a selfish point of view that differs from my point of view mm-hmm. and no one wants to budge, you know, yeah. and that's just how society continues to, to go. Yeah, and he likes to write about the people that are good at making money within that society. That's true. It's exactly because he's they're always on the outside. I've only I read that book, which I think we're talking about very soon. Time to Kill is also early. Soon, yeah, um, just also a baffling story, which would be fun to talk about. Yeah. But it's similar. It's like a guy who wants to make money isn't really interested in the person who's on trial for double murder. (laughs) He just wants to like win the case. Exactly. Same with this. Like he doesn't care about the fucking firm. He was working for the firm. For sure. The scary part is not that they are bad people. It's that he almost got caught and died. Yeah. He does not give a shit about their practices and allowing rich people to get rich. They even have a whole fucking conversation about it. He's on board with it. Of course. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's like die. This movie is like basically die hard without guns. <laughs> it's just like about a guy who runs around yeah. and makes sure that he's the one in charge and everyone, he again die hard. The criminals like I guess they get killed. He kills all the criminals. But yeah, but even the bad guys look kind of similar. In Die Hard. Yeah, the, like. exactly. Yeah. The albino guy looks just like the German guy. <laughs> Hans or whatever. Yeah, and the fucking FBI's in both, and they yeah. look like total jackasses, and he yells at them. Yeah. And it's just like, they love this idea of, in the 80s and 90s, like a guy just like yelling at authority. I mean, like, I'm more important than you. Leave yeah. me alone. Yeah. I win because I get my life back. Yeah. No one can take my life. Yeah. And it sucks. Tom, I suck. But did you like the running? Because he did run. The running's pretty good. So we get a hint of the running. Uh, well, we get a hint of his athletic prowess, which I love this storytelling moment where when he's on the street, when he first with goes the kid to performer. Kid. Yeah. That's re- such a stupid scene. <laughs> <laughs> so they do a perfectly synchronized, like five backflips together. So awesome. And then later, when he's sad and alone. Uh, yeah, and he walks yeah. down the same street at nighttime. Yeah. And the kid's still flipping. He's just flipping all day. Yeah. Every yeah. day. And yeah. second time, Tom's too sad to flip. <laughs> and you really get a sense in that moment that, wow, we got a real a flipper. Yeah. We probably Tom, got pretty deconditioned. He probably wasn't working out much when he was at the farm. You know? No, he's a, fl- he's a flipper who's lost the will to flip. <laughs> <laughs> 
so fucking funny. It's a funny. great callback. It's a great device. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it's just such an extra, like also like a 90s thing. Like this guy is impressive enough. Yeah. When did he learn? <laughs> How does he graduate top five at Harvard and, and also flip? flip? That's like, no, nuts. the people I know that can flip are not that good at their studies. Exactly. It takes too much time to learn. How Come to on. Yes, you can't have a character to be this cool. Yeah. The real person top five at Harvard would immediately pull a disc mm. in their back and the movie yeah. would be them going to a series of appointments at various specialists. That'd and be that funny. would be the movie. Yeah. And then he sues the city yeah. for making concrete yeah. sidewalk. Called uh, the firm spine. The firm the the firm spine, like or maybe the infirm spine. The infirm spine. Or is the, the firm inverse. sidewalk. <laughs> The firm sidewalk. <laughs> what f- happens when a firm sidewalk meets an infirm spine by John Grisham? <laughs> just a bunch of like explanations of benefits and a high deductible. It's like, <laughs> it's like this, it's like, this firm ends. is a great. The one thing that they that they fuck up is the deductible. It's like five grand, yeah. which is like they gave me a house, but they can't give me a one thousand dollar deductible. <laughs> As a tipped employee, I also hated the scene where the guys like. You know, they're overcharging here, overcharging there. Everyone's overcharging. It's like tipping. Like, what are you talking about? It's not like tipping. It's theft. This is theft. The other is an established system that is also not great. But while we're living in it, you got to do it. Yeah. You fucking asshole. Everyone is such an asshole in this movie. It's great. I'm telling you, it's Reagan-esque. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to give it to Ball Dead. My MVP. He's great. He's great. He's in great. It. I, I love the first time you meet him. Yeah. When he just sits Such down. Such a good scene. Uh, they, they're there for like 30 seconds. Yeah. He's like, you uh, you work at uh, Gilford and Locke. Yeah. And he's like, oh, your book's out. So I saw it. But he's like, oh, but you also moved here eight months ago and you got a dog and a red car. He's like, ball dead. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know these so magic creepy. Yeah, He looks great bald. Oh, yeah, he does. He's bald in other movies, though, right? He's frequently bald. I think he identifies as bald for sure. Okay, but this is like sometimes, like in uh, Glengarry, he's got a little stubble. Uh, yeah, sometimes he'll have a little fuzz. He's shiny, head. yeah. He's looking great. Love it. Yeah, there's so much good hair in this movie. The do you notice the beard pilot at the end? No, I don't. I don't he had a beard down to his like thighs uh, for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, why are these, tro- like, how does that guy get cast? Is that his real beard? Or if it's not his real beard, why, why did they make, make that choice? This, I think that's his real beard. And they just, they were casting all day and they just were tired. Yeah. And they're like, he probably was the pilot. Yeah. They probably just needed like, Oh, he's actually the pilot in the Cayman Islands wherever they. Yeah, exactly. Shit. But he's wonderful. Yeah. Um, we haven't even talked about the brother story, which I think real suck oh, energy to man. the brother story. But what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's also just kind of sad to me that he lies about, you know, I was talking to my wife about that where it's like, you know, she was like, you could come back in a background check. I was like, a background check on his brother? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure how background checks work, but me like, either. I don't necessarily think that like if you have a felon in the family for crimes that you didn't commit. I don't, I think you're right. I I don't think think... you're good, but it was also just another sad social commentary of just (laughs) the stigma of anyone who's in jail. You can't, you can't touch that person with a 10 foot pole. And I love it. Once again, it's like the perfect dad energy where it's like, Oh, my brother is in jail for murder, but it's because he's, a beautiful person who knows how to fight and he was in a brawl. <laughs> right. And we can only imagine that he was like protecting a woman or something. It's just like, of course he's not like a bad person. Yeah. This idea to, it was just a bar fight and whatnot, you know, and the whatnot <laughs> yeah. got him in federal prison. Yeah. But then the way they use him as a pawn in all the ways after yeah. when he's sprung out and, you know, Ed's whole like thing with him. And it's just like how they're also going to like, just throw him back in and use him as like, Eight. it's like yeah right just, it doesn't actually talk about the prison problem yeah it just like oh, uses no. this perfect man who happens to be in jail and shouldn't but everyone who's wrong should go to jail or be executed exactly get the death penalty god yeah. if you could figure out a way to like give the firm the death penalty <laughs> john probably spent hours trying to figure that out it's like i can't do it it's another 500 pages <laughs> you had to get on to pelican brief or whatever Oh yeah, 
Is that coming up next? I, I think that one's next. next. They both came out in 93. Great. Then that's next. Um, so I'm curious. I, every episode we ask, are you asking when will it end? But because this isn't a franchise, I'm sort of curious. What I did with Miyazaki was like, do you think this story has either didn't do what it promised and you want to see what could have happened or does it have enough potential to like turn into a franchise? Do you, do you want more Mitch? McDeer, the, 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 the I feel stories. like that question was answered by others because I, I never watched it, but it was they spun it off into like one season of a TV show. I saw that in like 2008 And then it got canceled. Yeah. So, <laughs> no um, one wants Mitch. I think, yeah, I think, I think Mitch is like a magician who has a short run in Vegas and then we never hear from him again. I mean, okay. <laughs> I... I'm excited for the worldview to not end and the, you know, the type of like, you know, the government mob shadiness, like that stuff I think is a lot of legs, but, um, his story and that marriage is perplexing and finite. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, there's, 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 I I don't know. I maybe not just because it's like, I want some director and a new cast to like really investigate the fucking paranoia of living in like that's the whole fear you yeah. you're set up this promise of being like oh I'm working for an evil company who could kill me at any moment and they just made him such a powerful good guy yeah that you never get that the feeling of dread that would encumber you every day he exactly. just sort of like skips around and just does whatever he wants. Yeah, and he sees everything coming like from a mile away, yep. so he's never having to really react. He's always very proactive about everything, and then mm-hmm. they're proactive in return because they have some skills, but then it's just like a bunch of people being proactive with each other instead of like real dire conflict in the moment and some of those yeah. key moments. I mean, I think I, I would want it to continue if you saw like a very 2023 <laughs> ending where it's like he realizes his values are trash, <laughs> Her, she realizes her values have been trash. They get divorced because the hooker thing never, like she can never get over it. He becomes a public defender or like a philanthropist. No, oh, because he's, vi- he's violated. Yeah, the... well, I guess you're right. He could have kept his. Or he yeah. goes into some kind of thing. You know, he uses his JD in some other like a noble way. Um, But, you know, this guy, I mean, if it's a, if it's his character and they stay true to him, like the sequel is he becomes like an investment banker or something. <laughs> yeah, he fucking goes back to Boston and works yeah. in the financial district. Exactly. I mean, just chasing that dollar now that he has his name back. I mean, yeah, he's always on the hunt. Best one of the best opening lines and closing lines in cinema history. First line of the movie is "Son of a bitch." <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Your Honor. That was a wonderful shot. <laughs> She's like, what a goofball way to start a movie. It's so funny. And then the end of the movie is, um, where, where are? It's like, what's in Boston? We are. Yeah. Six. Like, I don't know if you've spent much time in Boston, but I went to Cal. I went to BU. You went to BU. So, yeah. I went to BU. Oh, really? What year did you go to BU? I graduated in 06. I started in 05. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I took a. I took a, year, a couple of years at state school in maine oh cool transferred to bu and then dropped out finished at hampshire okay so you're at bu for a year so. uh-huh so we were at the same campus oh, that's crazy wow. where did you, you study uh film film screenwriting yeah okay i took uh i had a minor i was gonna do a minor in film studies nice in english english film studies. so were you in cas or com uh-huh cas oh wow that's crazy yeah where'd wow. you live uh, I lived at the Hyatt for my first semester because oh, I was a transfer. One of those, yeah, oh, man. And then I moved off campus immediately. Talk about dad energy. My dad would stay at the Hyatt, <laughs> <laughs> so that's the only dad. time I went. Was I take a cab to see him have dinner? Or something. It was so weird. We, like, uh, that's a tough experience. Like you know, actually, across I mean, the river. Yeah, it it was hard to feel. I had a lot of good friends who lived there. That's good. But um, I was also working because I, you know, was poor and. Yeah couldn't pay tuition. So I worked two jobs and went to school and yeah, I was, I was sort of, so you had a real McDeer situation. You have a real Mc... early McDeer. Yeah, I did. Felt, I felt that when he's serving, yeah. when, he's bu- yeah. when he brings over those hamburgers <laughs> uh, and drinks, like that's such a funny thing to be an act. Like one of the most highest paid actors in the industry to like oh serve you a hamburger. I uh, know he Can probably you? had to take classes yeah. at that point. He was it's so famous. Job. 
We probably had no idea how to how to do any of that stuff. Yeah, and he didn't. You don't fucking. That's not how you carry a tray. They probably got a stunt double to do that for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'm not jumping on a train. I have to serve a kale salad. Like, no. Nah. It was like honestly, that was one of the weirdest moments of the movie. Being like, wow, Tom Cruise is actually. Sir, can you imagine just like a huge actor just like doing his own stunts that way? Yeah. (laughs) There are probably so many like inappropriate classist jokes on set. Like, all right, Tom, do the blue collar job again. We're going to make you do this a lot. Um, But yeah, I guess, uh, well, that's fun. We both have Boston energy. And I mean, it's hilarious to me that the driving off to the sunset is them going back to Boston, which is like one of the worst cities in America. (laughs) (laughs) So that was fun. That's like such a great way to end this movie. It's like, what's in Boston? We are. So triumphant. Yeah. It's not a dialogue movie. It's a, Mm. it's a danger movie. Yes. Exposition only though. uh, mm. There's, I mean, there's some okay lines. I mean, the your honor thing's great. Yeah. It's funny. I'm going to hold firm to bald Ed, but, Wilford, I think, has the best delivery. Yeah, yeah. He's He's terrifying. He's so good. The scene where he's like, the FBI could use photos just like these and whatnot. And like that scene, other than the whatnot joke, it's really well delivered. Totally. Yeah. And it's so funny to me. Like, we were kids when he was most famous for being in the diabetes commercials. To then go back and realize that this guy had like a whole career Oh, totally. In cinema and being like one of the best actors. It's like, such it a always time. comes back to commercials. It does. They all do them. Lately, I'm seeing so many of our heroes, you know, Paul. Taco Bell commercials. Who's in Taco Bell now? I think Pete Davidson's in a Taco Bell commercial. He's a baseball guy? No, he's an SNL guy. He's no. not that old. He's younger than us. Damn. No, they all, well, the problem is, Taco Bell comes to you and they say, we'll give you $5 million if you just show up tomorrow and say this chalupa's good. So, you know, it's hard, it's hard not to keep your great grandkids through college (laughs) with a Taco Bell commercial. Yeah. I saw some, I've been playing this, um, phone game, the doom phone game. Oh yeah. Where sometimes they make you watch ads. Oh yeah. And one of the guys from Veep is doing an ad for like some awful, uh, bejeweled. Oh yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. Ben, come on, Ben. Yeah. No, it's terrible. But it's worth it. I would do it. It's a paycheck, but it goes back to the Grisham thing. It's like, how much is that? You know, how much? Yeah. What is that money doing? What are all those? You know, Taco Bell is. Uh, I know people like the taste of it, but <laughs> causes a lot of problems. Causes a lot. Causes the diabetes. It gets Wilfred yeah. on TV too. Yeah. So it's just all part of this crazy system. It's hard to make things vegan there. I mean, they were the like original vegan hack, but I feel uh, like they've slipped. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Though I did get the Crunchwrap Supreme with potatoes and beans al fresco the other day. Interesting. Delicious. You go all the way to Pittsfield for that? Well, we were at Home Depot. Okay. Yeah. Which is also a terrible company. Yeah. Fucking awful. They're like... It's hard to find stuff there. (sighs) Yeah, it's very hard to find stuff. (laughs) It takes a long time. Yeah. Wait, what are you trying to find there? Just everything. What? You can't find anything? I mean, I can, but it's usually... Here's the trick. You look it up ahead of time and then takes... uh, This is like old person. Well, I guess no. An old person wouldn't do that. They might ask for help while they're there. But yeah, I feel like... But it's hard to ask for help. There's not always a lot of people. Right. And you feel dumb being like, where are the nails, you know? I know. But nails, that could mean anything, really. I know. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of... Like, what section is that? There must just be a whole aisle of nail. Yeah. Screws probably in there. Well, and a lot of people who go there really know what they're doing. You so. think so? Do you feel like you're not, maybe part of this, and I'm judging you based on that you have the same body as me, but do you just feel like maybe you don't belong at a Home Depot? Do you think people are judging you because you don't, you have a big muscle on a truck? I think that's part of it for sure. I definitely think there's like some severe microaggressions I'm putting on myself probably. Yeah. Because uh, it takes, I mean, other than that they're bad politics, uh, any anyone could go to Home Depot. Yeah, you can go. Yeah, I have faith in you. No, I know. I think it's you know the problem is most stuff. I know how to do the bare bones, like hang a picture, put a shelf up. You, you don't know? say that about yourself. You're coming in brag energy at the top of this episode. Now you're saying you can bare bones a picture. Bare hanging a picture is hard. Mm, 
I don't know, not to not to Home Depot people. So when I walk into Home Depot, these are people who are like building a house out of bamboo. You know? <laughs> I love that that's your jump there. You're either hanging pictures or building houses. I, this I, is medium projects. I had a friend who told me about a guy who he was friends with a long time ago who good so far. Who built a toothbrush holder for his house. Like he just built like a he just made a little toothbrush holder. That was his first project. And he got so hooked on that that he eventually built his own house. He went from toothbrush holder to building his own house. That's so beautiful. that's what I think about when I'm in Hope Depot. Like I'm not on that trajectory. You know, I go from hanging a picture to maybe hanging a second picture. Not like <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> Getting it level and like lined I have up. Have a level. I have a level, man. And if you just mess up, you just you you move it a little bit, and then you cover the hole. If you take everything off these walls, there's probably 27 <laughs> holes that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, maybe you will have to build your own house one day because no, your walls are just going to fucking collapse. That's true. Swiss cheese house. No, that's true. Yeah. Uh, I, I hate Home Depot because they're helping fund that Atlanta Cop City project. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. yeah. But I still go. and That's how fucking awful I am. Oh, everything has its problem. You know, Amazon. I order a lot of stuff from Amazon. They're like, you know, there's all sorts of issues with everything. Oh, it's so hard to be good in this crazy, crazy world. Maybe Tom's right. I'm telling you, Grisham, <laughs> he calls it how he sees it. The world is very complicated and people are going to follow the money. Yeah. Instead of follow empathy for people. Sad. McDear. Well, on that note, uh, I think we're ready for the Pelican Brief. I'm excited. I have no idea what that even means. Yeah, I remember really liking that one during our pandemic stretch. So Hell yeah. Well, this is going to be good. This is so yeah. fun. Yeah, it was thanks great. For, thanks for starting this journey. Yeah, of course. Grisham verse for life. And, uh, yeah, hell yeah. We're going to make those t-shirts. <laughs>